commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. I made the mistake of looking at iPodcasts, whatever it's called, reviews. Someone gave me the best slash worst review. It said, the best podcast with the worst sound. So I've been zinged once again on the uh, underground quality of the audio, but that's how I like it. Maybe someday the shame will get me to uh, upgrade, but... Be that as it may, we're doing it Banal of America style as usual here tonight. Summer of Strangeness continues uh, with a very special guest, Kiki Dombrowski. And as I mentioned on these previous shows we've done this summer, a lot of the folks that we're talking to are people that I've met on Twitter. I've, I've become a, a prolific Twitterer. I'm not like a super Twitterer, but uh, I like to make each tweet count, so I don't, <laughs> I don't tweet that often. But uh, every every day or so, I'll throw something up there that I think is worth talking about. Um, and over the course of my time here on the Twitter, uh, I've met a lot of cool folks. Chris Cogswell, uh, who was on a couple weeks ago, uh, Justin Bamforth last week, and this week's guest, Kiki Nombrowski, who uh, gave me a reading. She did readings for her, for her followers, uh, I think in honor of like a thousand followers. Uh, she did readings for, for her followers, and uh, she did one for me, and I was like, this is really interesting, and... Uh, I, I kind of have – Kiki and I are friends through friends. Uh, she's been on the Conspiracy Normal Guys uh, show. She's going to be at the Strange Realities Conference to uh, the virtual. She's going to be – yeah, she's going to be there. She's going to be – it's virtual. So she'll be a participant in the uh, conference, as, a, uh, as will I. So we'll, we'll plug that later on tonight. Uh, and I said to myself, well, this was really interesting. This was cool. And, and I looked more into – her background, I was like, you know, we haven't ever really kind of done anything like this on Banal of America, so let's do it. Let's uh, let's talk about what Kiki's all about. And uh, Kiki Dombrowski is a spiritual researcher and explorer who has spent her life studying mythology, magic, witchcraft, and the supernatural. She lives in Nashville, where she is a professional tarot card reader, which is really amazing, uh, certified life coach and professional writer. And uh, she's been reading tarot for over 25 years, so she's got quite a lot of experience with this. Uh, I think I have, uh, it might have been my second tarot reading, my first, I guess, real one uh, since I've been a grown-up. I think I got one in high school or something, but uh, yeah, uh, Ren Collier did one for me down at Paramania uh, last year, so I was really intrigued by that, and uh, so I have some, I have a very thin base of reference here uh, on this, and I want to get into all of it. So with uh, enough of my yakking, uh, welcome to the show, Kiki Dombrowski. Hi, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. 
Well, I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, uh, I, I enjoy talking to guests who know a lot about stuff I don't know anything about because then I can learn more stuff, which is, uh, you know, kind of that's what the journey of an all America is all about. Now, as with every uh, first-time guest, we start out the bio, the background. Who is Kiki Dombrowski? How did you wind up becoming uh, a professional tarot reader? Uh, well, I wish that I had a mystical answer for you. Um, I think that when people <laughs> hear that you are a tarot card reader, they expect to hear this answer like, oh, well, you know, I have this vision that I was meant to, you know, spread sacred wisdom. To be honest with you, I actually discovered tarot at a very young age. So that's why I have so many years experience with it. I discovered it on a 90s show you may remember called My So-Called Life. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I I ended up seeing it in an episode of my so-called life at, at this very young age. I think I was in eighth grade, so 13. Um, and I thought, wow, those are really interesting. I want to know what that's about. And I was very lucky that my mother was okay with me being curious about exploring them. And we were fortunate that in the town I grew up in, and I was just telling you before we started, I grew up in Connecticut. Um, yeah. We had this, you know, like a metaphysical shop in our town. My mother took me to the metaphysical shop at 13, and I said, I want a deck of tarot cards. I want to learn how to read tarot. And the nice people working there hooked me up. They got me a deck of cards and a couple books. And so the journey began. Ever since that age, I just you know, obviously at, at 13, you're not reading for other people, um, maybe yeah. other than, you know, classmates. But, I, I, you know, I really stuck with it because I just, I loved how, and, and, and I feel this to, to this day as well. Every time I pick up a card, I sense something unique or special about it. Or there might be an image in the card that stands out to me that maybe I haven't thought about for a really long time. Um, so... I just really yeah. stuck with it, and by the time I was in my 20s, I had, you know, pretty much had a good idea about what each of the cards were. I had everything, you know, what they would say. is like I had all the, the, the mechanical stuff memorized, um, and yeah. I just started reading at a shop, and, and so it goes. Here we are. I'm still reading for people. Um, <laughs> I'm writing about it. Um, and, and I'm learning, and, and what I love about tarot is, is, is when you read to other people, you also learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about spirituality. Um, it's a really, really um, profound experience, I think. I think it could be. I think that, that you know, also people use it in a very playful way, too. Um, right, right. God only knows how many parties, you know, at Halloween I've done where <laughs> somebody who's had too many, you know, Halloween cocktails has come in for a reading. And obviously they're not going to have a deep and profound, you know, experience as somebody, you know, who may not be <laughs> in that situation right. may have. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Now, I, everybody kind of like gets like this. I guess it's sort of a misconception. Um and as again, I have a very thin base to sort of base this on because Ren was, I kind of was like, ask Ren because I'm like, you're not psychic, dude. How are you doing this or whatever? How are you? How are you? How are you qualified to do, to do this thing? It's like it, it doesn't, for the clarity of the listeners and me, it's like you're you are you psychic, Kiki? Like, or is it kind of like more that like it's like almost like playing an instrument where uh, you know you kind of can can sense. 
things from it necessarily. You know what I mean? It's like you're is that kind of that's kind of the impression I got. Where it's like the more you do this, uh, you kind of can you you learn to sort of like interpret it. Uh, you know, like again, like a musical instrument almost. Absolutely, and I, my answer for that question is actually all of the above. I I personally think that everybody has a psychic ability or an a, 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 the opportunity to tap into this sixth sense. You know, um, some people feel really confident about it. They feel like it comes through loud and clear, and some people might just get hunches that their mom is going to call in a few minutes. Um, right. Either way, I still think that everybody has that, that psychic ability. I personally do consider myself a psychic. Um, okay. I consider myself clairaudient and clairvoyant. I do clairvoyant readings as well, um, separate from tarot. But clairvoyant means that in my mind's eye, I will get visions. I will see things. It's almost like I'm getting this, like, picture, like this this picture in front of me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then clairaudient means, I I always call it like the little bird told me something. A little bird sang in my ear. Clairaudience yeah. means that I'm getting, like, I almost hear something in my mind. Some, it's almost like a little message is told to me. And, and you know, sometimes I feel like they're spot on. And sometimes people are like, I really don't know what that means. And I'm like, cool, put it on the back burner. Do what you want with that. Right. Um, there was a point where I would get those clairvoyant or clairaudient messages and maybe I just didn't feel confident with them and I'd keep it to myself. And then it'd be revealed that, you know, whatever I was experiencing psychically was actually accurate. And it was like, oh, damn it, why didn't I say that? <laughs> so I'm at the point now where if I, if I do have that experience, I, I, I just share it. I, it. You know, I share it no matter what, even if, if, if the, the person in the reading is like, what, you know, what the heck. But kind of going back to what we were saying about tarot, um, I think that, that you, you don't have to identify as a psychic, clairvoyant, clairaudient, media, whatever. You don't have to identify as that to be able to read tarot. So, yeah, in a way, it does feel like an instrument. And I like that. I always like that, that analogy as well because for some people, they pick up tarot and it feels very easy. They read it and it feels very fluid and they feel comfortable with it. Kind of like with people, some people pick up a guitar and they're all, they're playing tunes a couple days later. It, yeah. Tarot could also feel the same where, you know, it feels uncomfortable, it's clunky, it's difficult, and you just have to keep practicing and keep practicing and keep practicing. Same with guitar. Um, but if you kind of have a base understanding Understanding of what each of the cards mean, you could give a reading. And I, and I agree with you, too. The more you practice, the more you kind of, you know, get used to it, the more comfortable you are with creating a story and uh, painting a picture for, for the client. Yeah. So. All right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So how often do you, would you say you have these experiences of the, the clairaudience and the clairvoyance? Well, I would say that in all my readings, I have them. I feel something. You know, I sense okay. something. Um, maybe the Claire audience. You know what's funny? Sometimes even with Claire audience, sometimes I'll hear songs. <laughs> oh, wow. It's really great. I'm like, ooh, have you listened to Paula Abdul lately? I don't know why I thought of Paula Abdul. Maybe that's a message for you. you got to go back to the 90s. <laughs> We're about the 90s. So I'm just going to take it back and, and tell you to go give it a listen. Uh, there you <laughs> straight go. Up. That was a good one. Um <laughs> You know, so sometimes I'll hear songs. And 
And it's very interesting, too, because it really could, there might be a message in those lyrics. It might set the mood for the reading or for what the, 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 the client is experiencing at the moment. Um, sometimes yeah. I'll even, uh, you know, and so sometimes it's not, it's interesting because you expect the answer to always be like, it's this very profound you know, mystical experience. Sometimes I'm just like, wow, you really, you really should go watch the burbs with Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher. You know, it's like sometimes I get those visuals or those premonitions and it's just very calm and and fun and lighthearted. So yeah, there's something in every single reading, Um, whether it's, you know, deep, profound, you know, connected to whatever ancestral wisdom or, you know, a, a, a pop culture reference. Right. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of uh, a conversation I had with John Tenney a few weeks ago where we talked sort of about uh, just oh, just sort of like opening, you know, when something seemingly random comes into your mind, uh, like be cognizant of that and try and interpret like, is there some kind of thing I'm supposed to be getting out of this thought that just popped into my head, whether it's a song or a picture or whatever? It's like, that's that's the kind of thing. Like a lot, I think a lot of people probably just dismiss that, where it's like, no, maybe there's a reason that song just popped into your head for no, you know, for, for no apparent reason. It's like, maybe there is. Maybe there's maybe there's something you need to ponder on that. So, yeah, maybe a lot of, Absolutely. I think a lot, yeah, I think a lot of people have these yeah. skills and they don't really... Uh, Acknowledge them. Now, one, I, I'm sure you must get this question, like, all the time, but it's like, I, I feel like I have to ask it, right? So uh, I wonder now if you can guess what. <laughs> but, like, do you ever tell, do you ever know if someone's going to die? Do you tell them? Like, what's, uh, what's, the, what, what's that situation like? Uh, you know, have you, have you ever experienced a situation where you're like, oh, shit, I need to tell this dude or lady something? Like, I'm getting a very bad, like, serious mojo thing. I need to say something. Um you know, has that ever come up? And what do you do when that does? No, if it has? Those are really great questions, and people do ask that. And that is something that, you know, new time readers, so somebody that's never really gotten a reading before, they're going to sit down and go, Can you tell me if I'm going to die? And, and really the answer is no. Um, and, and you'll find, too, that a lot of tarot readers, they will talk about giving ethical readings. And what that means is, is that there are certain conversations that are not best practice. So talking about things that you should, you know, maybe talk to a lawyer about or talk to an officer about or talk to a doctor about are not particularly the best things to come to a tarot card reader for. So if somebody were to come to me and say, I need to know if my illness is going to get cured, I would, I would actually refer them to a doctor. (laughs) Good, so good. I really, that's great. Yeah. you know, I that's that's just that's just not my my thing. Um, I have had people. I've actually had terminal um, people with terminal illness come to me for readings, and that's been a very deeply moving experience. I think for both of us because you are in a different mindset. But even in that reading, you know, there's in in a reading like that, there's no like, oh my god, and this is the date. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, you, I don't think that people, I like to think of this, is that tarot, first of all, when people sit down for a reading, a tarot card reading, it's not something that's going to show you what's going to happen 20 years from now. 
it's not that sort of experience where we're going to find out when you're going to finish paying off your student loans, when you're going to get married, when you're going to retire, and, you know, when you're going to buy that house, unless they are going to happen in the not-too-distant future. I, I just I feel that, that the further out you go, the foggier it gets. You know, it's a tarot reading. You could leave it at the door if right. you don't agree with it and do completely different stuff. Um, so death really does not come up in readings. And health is a topic that I try and avoid. Um, other yeah. than if I see people coming in who obviously, you know, they've got all – because this is another truth, too, about tarot. Every single card has a different meaning. And, you know – not every single card is this happy, airy-fairy, rainbows and unicorns world of ice cream. It's just not. You know, there are yeah. some really tough, tricky, challenging cards. And if somebody has a lot of tough and tricky and challenging cards, that, that is something that's going to be brought up. Hey, you know, maybe smoking two packs a day is not going to be good for you. But that's not something that that just the tarot is going to notice. That's practical. <laughs> right, right. It's common yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no death now, predictions. <laughs> right. I'm sure that comes up, though, right? You get that a lot, or is it like it's just see, – I, I feel like that always seems to come up. So uh, it's like this thing. I and think maybe it's like a sitcom cliche or something. It's It, it kind of is, totally. like the thing. It's like I went to a Absolutely. psychic, and they told – they told me, you know, that Mr. Furley was going to die. and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I always say this. So I'm obsessed with Days of Our Lives. I don't know why I'm sharing this with you. Oh, uh, this is why, because it goes with the story. So Days of Our Lives had a psychic in the 90s. I'm going back to the 90s again. Um, <laughs> and her name was Celeste. And I swore that any time she read tarot, if the death card came up in her reading, it meant somebody was going to be written off the script. And I just think that you're right. There's something about media. It happened in, um, what's the other X-Files? There was an X-Files episode where the death card came up. And death card, right. um, the death card doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you, you know the, phys- the end of the physical body, you know, your experience right. in this physical reality. It represents a rebirth, a transformation, the death of old ways, um, maybe even initiation rights to an extent, you know, what does it mean to be reborn? What do you have to go through to feel reborn? What does that change like? So. Yeah. 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 Well, when Ren did the, yeah, when Ren did the thing, when Ren did the reading for me uh, down at Paramania, yeah, uh, we talked about that. Like uh, there's some other card, right, that people are afraid of, like the King of Cups or something. Isn't there one that's like the real one you're supposed to be worried about or something? Does that, does that ring Ooh, a bell at all? The tower card. That's, that's it. Yeah. Because here's the thing that happened when I got my when when I got my reading. Josh Cutchin went ahead of me and he was like, "Don't pull." Oh God, I hope he doesn't pull the tower card for me. I hope he doesn't pull the tower card. So I'm like, "Oh shit, I don't want to get the tower card either." Then. Um, so then Rand did my cards, okay? And like, I don't. You know how like it all culminates to one final card at the end. Sure, sure. Does that sound right? Okay, maybe he, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> So 
So anyway, that at least Val Ren did it, right? It all, you know, it was sort of laid out, and then there was one final one that kind of like was the summate. That was, for me, it was the fucking tower card. And I'm like, oh, no, dude, I got the, I got the, one, he, I got the one he was terrified, and that's my summary card. Oh, no, but I'm still here, so, you know, I don't think. He said, like, oh, it might be some big change in your life. Could be good or bad. It's just Absolutely. sort of some kind of change. Absolutely. So, but. That's that's how and, I, and I think, that's a story from my tower reading. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I think that that's wonderful too. One of the the, the most um, one of the things that I identify as being a a good reader, uh, a professional reader, is being able to take cards like Tower or Death or another yucky one that people don't like to see is the Three of Swords because it usually represents breakup or separation. So when people get these cards, you can say, well, you know what, you're, you're shit out of luck, you know, or you could say, hey, you know what, I see this card, I, I, let's, let's sit down and, and hone in on it and talk about it and see if we can identify what's going on that we can do to improve, you know, what's going on in your life. Um, there yeah. are benefits to every single card. So there are some people... I, there are clients that I have that get the tower card in every single reading. And I think that there's an energy to the tower card that, um, and maybe this will give you comfort too. It does sometimes. I'm not worried about like it. So I wasn't, <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't like, <laughs> Oh shit. I want to get, I was just like, Oh no. Uh, you know, I thought it was funny. Cause, but yeah, I wasn't like, <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. it, maybe it worried me for like a little while, but now it's been long enough that like you said, it's like, ah, no way. It's fine. So, yeah. Well, but, you know, yeah, go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt you there. Oh, no, no, no. It's fine. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you're still standing. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times, too, when we see the tower card, it is a drastic, it's a, you know, Nashville had tornadoes in March. Oh, my God. Like, tornadoes, yeah. like, a mile down the road from where I live, close. That's like the tower card to me. Um, but what happens after the tower card is really beautiful. It's this rebuilding, it's this recovery, it's this healing. It's what happens with the tower card is that it's a removal of illusions, it's a removal of BS, it's the um it's liberation from things that are destructive to you. And without that in your life you feel a lightness. So, so there's a lot of revelation, revolution uh, with that card, and and so like I said, like I think that that's very special that you know you could see you could see a reader, you could get a card that, you know, you look at it, you're sitting there as, as the person getting the reading, and you look at that card, card and go, oh boy, that can't be good, but but the tarot card, you know, the person giving you the reading should be able to walk you through it in a way to kind of say, okay. This is this is what it means. These are some things that you may expect, and and this is how we could get through it. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, sort of to pivot back a little bit. So I'm sure uh, I I, have, I think I talked a little bit about this with Marie Jones back in the day, but I don't recall. But ba- based on sort of ancient stuff and sort of stuff with long lineage, it's like I. I'm guessing we don't know who invented the tarot, but I guess can you give me a little bit of a history? Like, where did this come from in the first place? Um, and, and uh, yeah, let's just start there because I have a piggyback question, but I don't, it, it goes off a little far afield. So uh, what, where, did, where, did this, where did tarot come from in the first place? 
there is a big question mark with that. Now, there we can tell you for certain that tarot first appeared during the Italian Renaissance. We see it appearing in Italian courts, and it was actually a card game, Tarachi. Tarot uh. cards were used to play a game. It was like something for fun. Um, but prior to that, it's really a lot of theories, and there are some theories that are way out there that I really want to lean into, but I know better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, like, I mean, there are people that are like, oh, you know, this is like the lost wisdom of Atlantis. This came from ancient Egypt. There is absolutely no evidence to obviously prove either of those. But I, I, right, I right. love that people put that stuff out there. Why not? You know, but unfortunately, there's no evidence to prove that. However, one thing that people do believe is that uh, knights and people who were uh, went out east with the Crusades somehow mm-hmm. discovered cards and playing cards. And when they came back into Western Europe, they brought those cards with them. So it's possible that it was something that, that came from either the Middle East or, or, or beyond that. Um, but, but really, its true origins are, are unknown. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what, yeah, that's, that, that was kind of what I was figuring. Uh, it, like, it's like with a lot of this stuff. Um, it's interesting to ponder because, uh, yeah, I have a rabbit. And I went down like this, this, this ah, I went down this rabbit hole uh, looking, because uh, I thought one day I was like, I'm like, well, where, where did, where did rabbits come from? Like, they've been talking about them forever, and it's like you really can't kind of find where rabbits just first kind of showed up. They're just, they're just there, like dogs and cats too. You know, it's just like they've always just kind of been there. It's like there's no sort of like one thing where it's like, hey, you're not gonna believe what I saw. It's this thing. It's, you know, we'll call it a cat. It's like they're just there. So it's right. kind of like that. So it's a weird. Uh, it's a weird thing. Now somebody uh somebody mentioned this and yeah, he now uh Jim Vujovic, he he must be sort of on the same train I am here. He says uh he said a while ago when we started, he wants to know if you have a favorite deck or a go-to deck. And that's my question. That was the far afield uh sub question was what what's the story with all these decks? Um like yeah. I cuz I I assume it's sort of like they're all the same um you know, theme, I guess, for each card. Like, like there's a tower card maybe for each deck. That's what I'm wondering. It seems that way. So is it kind of like, this is not, this is to like, this is to like Dusty Rhodes this, folks. This is to like Common Man this. Is this like the Monopoly thing? How they have like, how they have like, you know, like a baseball Monopoly, an NBA Monopoly, a Days of Our Lives Monopoly, but it's like all the same Monopoly, but it's just different, you know, themed, uh, licensed Monopoly versions. Um, is that what this is it. with the decks, or, or are these decks, or are there or are there significant differences between types of decks? Great question. Um, so, because there's all different types of, of card divination systems, tarot decks are always going to follow the same basic formula. That means that a tarot deck has 78 cards, and the, the tarot deck is split into special ways. There's the major arcana and the minor arcana. So we've talked about some major arcana cards already, the death card, the tower card. But let's talk about some happier ones, too. We've got the hermit, the high priestess, the lovers. Those are the major arcana cards. And um, 
major is a perfect title for them because they really often represent um, major events, um, archetypes. They have profound meanings. If you see a lot of them in a reading, it's like, wow, this person has an old soul or they're really, you know, really experiencing life now to the deepest potential. Um, And then there's the minor arcana cards where it actually is very similar to like a playing deck. There are four suits. And um, depending on the card deck you have, there's cups, swords, pentacles, um, and wands. I think I said all four. I feel like I'm I'm trying to name off the seven dwarves. There's wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. Yes, those are the four. There you go. Um, And so the minor arcana, although they're called minor, they still play a very valuable role role in um, adding details, imagery, insight, messages into the story of the cards. No matter what tarot deck you have, you will find that they always follow that formula. There's going to be major and minor arcana, and the minor arcana are going to have those four suits. So, yes, you can have... I have the Golden Girls Tarot. <laughs> right, and yeah, exactly. Have, yeah, okay. Exactly. I also have the Smith Weight Tarot, which is a more traditional deck. To answer that question, too, that's actually my go-to deck when I read to um, – when I, when I do a full reading. So in other words, when somebody sits down with me for, you know, 15 or 30 minutes, I use my, my Smith weight deck, which is, um, it's kind of like a different version of the Rider weight deck, the Rider weight Smith deck, just in case anybody who's listening is, is like, what is she talking about? Um, Pamela Smith is, is the name of the, 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 the illustrator for that deck. And, and, and this deck is absolutely stunning. I'm trying to remember the year that it was illustrated. I'm going to say it was 1917, but somebody might correct me. But it was, it was done during an era where it, it's just full of sacred geometry, beautiful imagery, um, she designed uh, theater costumes or theater sets, so the the deck is very theatrical. It's just really beautiful. But but what I really love is is that I don't know something happened, I, and maybe that's part of the, the the incredible time that we live in, like yeah. tarot cards, witchcraft, mysticism, the, the supernatural. It is just having it's time right now. It is in peak season right now. And there are so many incredible artists and creative people who are really inspired to make their own tarot decks. And as long as they stay in that formula, I really, you know, more power to them. Um, There are Oracle card decks. Oracle card decks are a little bit different because it's really up to the creator's discretion. An Oracle card deck can have, um, 15 cards, it can have 80 cards. Um, so, so Liminal Earth, they have an Oracle deck, which I wish I had in front of me, but I don't. Um, but they have a really fun um, an Oracle deck. Um, and I'm trying to think of another popular Oracle deck that people use. Oh, God, who is that lady that did all the angel stuff? Doreen, Doreen Virtue. She has like yeah, a bajillion yeah. Oracle decks out. It's not, it's not my cup of tea, but if, if it works for people, then, then right on. Um, and then some people right. use Lenormand cards, which look more like traditional playing cards. And I am no expert on that, sadly. But yes, many, many. Now, is there a reason why some are like 
what's the designation between major and minor? Is there a sort of a is there a reason why um, some of them are major and some of them are minor? Is it just sort of like they're the big ones? Sort of like is it like like a deck of cards where it's like you got your suits? I mean, you got your I don't know what the hell they're called. I forgot now. But like the king, the queen, the jack, and the ace. Those are you know those would be your major cards. The other ones would be like the the minor ones. Is that kind of just how it how it broke down essentially? Yeah, you're getting you're, you're almost getting the point. But what I'm going to do is actually the, there are kings, queens, knights, and pages in the tarot deck. They're actually part ah. of the minor arcana. Some people designate them as the the court cards. And okay. um, for a lot of readers, the court cards can be very confusing because they represent people, they represent phases in lives, they represent events. They could be very, very <sighs> complex. Um, yeah. Major arcana. So the difference is, is so the the minor arcana are are going to be are going to represent one of those four suits. And they go from ace, which is number one, and then they go all the way up to ten. So it's ace, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you've got the court for each of those minor arcana. The major arcana are these really unusual, um, so how many, 22 um, major arcana cards. They, (laughs) for people that are just like not, studying tarot, but they're just looking at a tarot deck, the way to yeah. identify them is that usually when you look at a major arcana card, it's going to have the name of the card at the bottom. So, for example, like, if you look at the tower card, it says the tower on the bottom. Right, right. And yeah. you'll also notice, too, that a lot of decks will pay close attention to really giving vivid and detailed imagery in the major yeah. arcana cards, whereas some of the minor arcana cards, depending on the deck you use, just will show the suits. Um, the the uh, deck right. I work with illustrates for each of the cards. But, but yeah, that's, that's another go. way to kind of show a little separation, too. Um, and the major arcana, you know, um, I guess that when, when tarot was a game, you know, the, the major arcana were known as trump cards, you know, not to be um, confused with any anybody (laughs) the trump cards meant that they were significant (laughs) they were like the playing they were like the cards that you played to win so um they always have this this feeling of of having a little bit more oomph to them now this is a little off out of left field but it was kind of uh came to me earlier while we were talking um when we were talking about death and and how uh you know it doesn't come up uh in these sessions necessarily uh this is just sort of a broader question a speculative question right uh how come is how like why didn't anyone see this pandemic coming except for scientists okay i mean psychics like how come i don't want to sound like the president nobody nobody could have predicted this could happen except for every <laughs> talker in the world uh how come how come we didn't how come there wasn't any any sort of like except for the whole uh, Sylvia Brown thing, but her book was like full of crazy predictions that, that that's like the only one she got right. So it's kind of like, well, yeah. I don't know, Sylvia. But, uh, but you know, there wasn't anybody, there wasn't anybody sort of sounding the alarm. And it's like, that's not necessarily a slam on psychics just because uh, a lot of shit happens that like nobody was, nobody was like, no psychic was like, Hey, nine eleven man, you better watch out. This is something really bad is going to happen. So it's, 
I mean, like maybe there's some kind of no, I guess it's pun or not. I don't know, psychic block or something that people may maybe these sort of events somehow can't be foreseen or something. But I mean, I don't know. Talk a little bit about that because like, but also what kind of made me think about that it was like I was you had some predictions for the year, and it was that that's kind of what made me think about it. Where it was like, oh, you know, I didn't really like nobody really like. I mean, I don't follow a lot of psychics, but at the same time, it never really. You know, but maybe you sent something in ether. So there's a long, there's a long sort of, uh, you know, meandering observation on my end. Of, but but what do you what do you think of that? That's that's a very interesting thing to ponder. And I would love to hear if there were any psychics or you know readers that that kind of said, yeah, I think we're going to have a, a really terrible pandemic. I will say this. Um, while the people, because I do a prediction panel every single year, which is so much fun because we do, yeah. we start working with our divination and, and going, okay, well, what can we see happening? So um, I'm going to just share a little story to, to kind of build the answer here. When we mm-hmm. started this prediction panel, I think it was maybe like five years ago. And, you know, every single year we, we came back <laughs> The predictions got a little bit more grim and a little bit more grim and just a little more (laughs) rough around the edges. And so maybe five years ago, we would be like, this is a year where you're going to be able to start that small business. And I'm not kidding. Last December, we all sat down at that panel and went, oh, man. (laughs) We maybe didn't identify that a pandemic was on the way, but I feel very confident in saying this, that everybody really had a sense that 2020 was not going to be a year to uh, be happy about. It would be a challenging year. It would be a year of very difficult issues, um, I know that me personally, uh, you know, we had a few things astrologically that happened, and I'm not an astrologer, but I believe that the first thing that happened was a Pluto-Saturn conjunction, and that was kind of when when shit started to hit the fan, and a lot of people are talking about how right now what we are experiencing in the United States um, somehow there's this like alignment between what is happening right now astrologically for the United States and what was happening at the time of the fall of the Roman empire. So while psychics didn't specifically say, Hey, we're going to have a pandemic and it's, you know, we're all going to be in quarantine. I do believe that, that people really did come forward and say, you know what? 2020 is going to be a difficult year and we're, you know, you're either going to come out of it furious, pissed off, exhausted, or you have the opportunity to come out of it feeling like you learned a lot about yourself and you grew. So um, this is almost, to me, I would say that if there was one platitude to cover all the predictions that I heard, it was, you know, pull up your bootstraps, (laughs) get in. It's going to be a long ride. It, it, yeah, and I think. Why, if you, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just no, saying, no. Go ahead. In terms of, 
I, I don't know. I, I guess it, I was just thinking, like, man, I don't know why nobody thought, hey, I think we're going to have a pandemic. My well, I, I was most going to say, like, if you look at it from a grant, maybe maybe if you if you looked at it more granular, people might have predicted uh, all of uh, some of the circumstances that we're experiencing that you wouldn't necessarily know was a pandemic, where somebody might be like, you're going to be you're going to spend a lot of time at home. You're going to be in your house a lot this year. Um, telecommunication is going to be really, uh, you know, really popular. There's going to be some crazy new fashion trend uh, that everybody's everybody's going to be wearing something that is like you never would imagine, but everyone's going to be wearing something that's going to be everybody will be wearing it. Um, I, I get it's on the face maybe. I don't know, like a hat or something. So, I mean, maybe there's probably people that did see that kind of yeah. stuff happening and, we may not even know totally. it, um, you know. So there could be just like some tarot reader, like in my town, doing someone's thing, where they're like, "Yeah, you're you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be home a lot. You're not gonna do any traveling this summer or whatever. You know what I mean? That kind of thing." So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and I think the, the other thing that I think about when talking about this is, I first of all, if there was a reader that did have something like what you were saying, I totally want to hear about it. Like somebody needs to contact me oh, and yeah. let me know because. I'd totally be into hearing that, and I applaud them for kind of putting that together. The other thing, and, and this is something that I'm going to be going down the rabbit hole for, um, the, the, the conference that we're doing in the fall, I want to look at cycles of time and uh, calendrical cycles. And, um, you know, I kind of think it's interesting this is a very strange phase where, you know, the end of the Mayan, the, the end of the, 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 the 13th Bakhtun in the Mayan calendar happened in 2012. And oh, was it the 12th Bakhtun? Hmm. Somebody will correct me. Um, <laughs> the end of the long, the long cycle in the Mayan calendar concluded um, in 2012. And then there are people that are predicting that there's going to be solar flares. And then there's people that, you know, say there's going to be immense droughts, and that was actually something that did come up with my prediction. Um, and so I think that, that we're just in a cycle right now where we're really, we are experiencing, you know, maybe a, there is a wonderful, wonderful author um, and teacher. Her name is Byron Ballard, and she um, came up with this term to kind of encapsulate what we are in right now. And she calls it the tower times. So going back to that card that Joshua said, don't draw it. She actually said <laughs> that, that the kind of what we're in right now is the tower card. You know, we we're experiencing this really massive shifting and, and it could be an opportunity and it could feel very foreboding for some people. And it could feel like ascension to others. Absolutely, yeah. I was saying that uh, we, we did a little uh, uh, sort of pandemic show uh, when, when this all first started in the spring and um, kind of talked a little bit about that. It sort of became cliched in a way where it was like, oh, learn language, write that novel you want. But yeah. in a way, it's like now this is stretched on and everything. It's In my mind, I do have kind of adopted that attitude where it's like this is a transformative once in a century, God willing, let's hope, uh, experience. Yeah. So if you mm-hmm. can, if you're if you're surviving, I mean, obviously the folks who are sick or dying or out of a job have they, they're they're you know they're having a transformative experience of the negative kind. But for people who are getting by, sure. it's like you could you could 
if you see it in that perspective, you can really maybe, hopefully, get something out of this experience. Uh, like I said, because it's like a once-a-century, you know, thing. When are you ever, when are you ever going to see this again? Um, you know, yeah. or or, yeah. or, or yeah. when will your life ever be so upended that? Maybe you have a shitload of free time on your hands to to do something, or maybe you feel inspired by what's going on. It's like, all right, I need to really change my life. You know, this is crazy. Right, right. So, you know, lean into well, it. Lean into the, the to it a bit. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that that I hope really happens as a result of this is recognizing that a lot of the institutions that we uphold are BS. Like, I have a day job where I went to an office, and I was told, you have to be in this office between these hours. You need to park your car and take the shuttle in. You need to do this, or you don't have this job. I could tell you that I am performing pretty damn well from my kitchen table. (laughs) And so I think that, um, you know, a lot – I think that we're learning, too, that that there are humane ways for people to make livings. Um, I, I find it fascinating that a lot of people are inspired to take up gardening and cooking during this time. I know that right, food right, yeah. has been a really, really important thing for me right now in terms of healing um, and what it means to eat healing foods. Um, but I love how people are gardening and, like, showing off all those zucchinis they've grown. Like, that is so awesome. People are learning how to get in touch with themselves and learning how to get back in touch with nature. Um Meanwhile, maintaining some sense of communication through electronics, which feels very Age of Aquarius to me. So, yeah. I don't know if we'll ever go back to what we once had, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we don't really need to go into offices to make a living. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, for sure. I think we'll see that, absolutely. But yeah, it's like oh, yeah, it's kind of like when this is all said and done. I don't want to look back and be like, "Well, what did you, what did you do during all that?" And be like, "I just watched a shitload of TV," you know? Right. It's like, don't don't fucking be that guy, folks. <laughs> you can watch a shitload of TV, but just don't only watch a shitload of TV. You know, yeah. find find some way to make something out of that. Um, now, and it's very difficult for some people too. You know, so oh, absolutely, so, um, yeah. One thing if I like you can to tap into it. Yeah, you know, and be gentle with yourself. I'm I'm such a I'm such a softy. I always tell people to be tender. If you do have those days where you're like, you know what, I I'm not gonna get out of bed. <laughs> I'm gonna lay in bed and I am going to watch Arrested Development, and you can't get me out of bed unless it's to get me snacks. Like if that's <laughs> what your body is telling you to do, you know, we'll go back to that phrase. Lean into it, and but but also. Celebrate and take pride in those times where you do go, you know what, I am going to learn that second language. I am going to go bake bread or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> Cross it. Yeah. I know that that's a big thing that's happening right now. <laughs> it's those Duolingo commercials I keep seeing. I'm like, maybe I should get fucking learn a language. Duolingo? So, I don't, have you seen the Duolingo? <laughs> have you seen the Duolingo commercials? I don't know. They're on all the time. Um, I feel like some weird cartoon. I, I do have Duolingo. <laughs> I do have it. I'm oh, really see, there you, there you go. You've already, mm-hmm. see, you've already been indoctrinated. You've already been recruited by, by Duolingo. They're still trying to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> get me on board. Now, uh, we, we've been talking about the tarot. I want to talk about this book. Now, first of all, um, 
what what the hell's going on with your books? Because I can't, I, you know, I couldn't get any of, <laughs> I couldn't get any of them. Well, I will. And I get so yeah. So I was like, I couldn't even. I don't necessarily expect this from like every author. But I'm like, oh shit, I can't get it. I'm like, can I at least look in, <laughs> look in, you know, the look inside? I'm like, maybe I can look inside to find out what these other divinations are, because this is what the book I want to talk about next is uh, a curious future, a handbook of unusual divination and unique oracle techniques. So I was like, oh shit, yeah. what are, what are these, what are these? And then I'm like, oh shit, I can't get the book or look inside. So we're gonna what? we're gonna explore those. But what what's going on first with the people want to get these books? Okay, so the reason that the books are unavailable is because they are getting republished through a publisher. Um, I self-published my books um, basically because I lead a very busy Gemini life and multitask and really just any moment I had free time, which in the last few years has been minimal, I would work on these books and I just did the best I could and, and I put them out into the world and got some really wonderful and positive feedback. Um, and so the magazine I write for, which is which way magazine, they also publish books and they have offered to republish them for me. So I'm really excited about this opportunity. And because of that, I pulled the, the old editions off. So you can't get the old editions because I'm working on rewrites and a curious future. I am stupid excited about re-releasing this because I have divination experts coming in and I um, and giving little expertise tips and, and insights into the divination that they enjoy using um, yeah. to, to just add to the research and the knowledge that I share. I think that, that one of the things about divination that's really important to remember is that everybody does it differently. Everybody has a special system that they like. Um, and, and and they're all valid in a way as long as you are, are doing it in an honorable fashion and you are, you know, kind of knowledgeable as to where it came from and, 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 and so forth. But um, so that's why they're not available because they're getting republished. And I really want people to get excited about the second editions because the content is really going to be freshened. Um, there's going to be a lot added to it. Um, a curious future. I'm going to just add a little bit more insight because since I wrote the book, I've obviously had another year and a half of working with these kits or these divination devices. And so obviously I've accumulated a little bit more knowledge, you know, firsthand knowledge that I want to add to it as well. So, um, so I'm so sorry that you can't see it right now. I think that a curious it's all right, future it's all right. should be out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, down I will do another interview deeper into it. But what is now? You mentioned some of them here in the little blurb. So it's like uh, like ones people who have probably heard of, like gaze into crystal balls, throw bones, read cards, which we talked about. Um, and you say, uh, you know, the little blurb here it says uh, guidebook to more curious and lesser known forms of divination. Now you don't have to do like all of them, obviously. But what's one? What's a what's a lesser known? form of divination that people may not have heard of that, uh, that you know that you particularly like wow that's oof, that's a loaded question because there's so many and depending on who you ask they'll have an opinion on what's lesser known and what isn't um <laughs> hmm well i will say this and what i meant by that is that a lot of times when you read divination handbooks they give a lot of attention to tarot and a lot of attention to astrology and a lot of attention 
to palmistry. And those are super amazing and the valid forms of divination. But what I wanted to do was find divination that just needed a little bit extra attention. Um, golly, what is my favorite one? Well, well you, don't, you, I mean, you don't necessarily have to do favorite. What's one that, like you just said, yeah. that need, you know, that deserves extra attention? You know, you don't like, uh, yeah, I don't want to put you in a position mm-hmm. where you had to, it's not like, oh, what's your favorite song? Kind of. I always get like, I like deer yeah. in the headlights when you get asked questions like that. So, um, but you know, <laughs> tell me one, you know, tell me an interesting one. Give me, give me, give me, give me one maybe that I haven't heard of. You know what I think is really interesting? I have this whole bit in the book about food divination. People do divination with food, uh, different foods. Um, like the experimenter. Like, yes, there's a woman who reads asparagus. <laughs> she, like, has oh, yeah. sticks of asparagus. So she's actually, what she's doing is a form of casting of lots. And so casting of lots is when you throw a kit of different things and you read them based on where they land and maybe their shape and you interpret based on, you know, like, well, you picked the one that's shiny. So it means this as opposed to picking the one that's, you know, red, which means this. So um, the asparagus, I can't believe it. So she takes, takes a bunch of asparagus and she drops it and she interprets the, the, the shape that the asparagus create. I think it's amazing. There's people that read cheese. People read cheese. They would read the holes. Really? Cheeses and the way that mold formed on cheese. Um, There's tons of divination um, with apples, specifically at Halloween. There's a lot of traditional divinations. They're a little out of date. They're a little antiquated at this point. But a lot of love divination, you know, where women would, would uh, you know, count the number of seeds in an apple, and it would kind of give them insight into, ooh, am I going to get married next year or not? Um, uh, and yeah. so I really love that because I love food. So um, I, I was so fascinated that people would, would read different foods. Um, people would use nuts to divine where they would throw um, a hazelnut on the fire and the way that it popped would uh would signify the answer to their question. So oh, wow. um yeah. I, I uh, these are all are these are like different sort of like regional, cultural, different divination like, you know, and maybe in Scandinavia they throw the walnut in, but in, in uh, you know, uh Ukraine they do the cheese or something like that. That kinda how it's how yeah, it breaks I, down in a sense. Yeah, I would say that, and I would also say this, too, is sort of like a, just like a little notation. Everywhere in the world and every single civilization has read the future or has desired reading the future. So this is yeah. not just, you know, one place in the world did readings, and, you know, if you're from that place, you could do it and nobody else. It's, it's not. Right, right. It's it's a universal fact that people want to know what's going to happen coming up. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess that, you know, I really can't – I guess the, the example that comes to my mind right now is um, people read kale. And the kale readings were something that I learned about through um, – kale being read at Halloween, and that was something that took place in Scotland. So I don't think that that necessarily means that, you know, people in 
Central America were reading kale because they didn't have kale, <laughs> the kale crop available yeah. to them. Um, I think that's something to keep in mind, too, is, is that people were divining with whatever they had available. So, um, I mean, people would divine with eggs, um, you know, reading the way the yolk would, would, would solidify in hot water. Um, and, and so, really, people were, were working with what they had available to them. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, also, I, I hate to do this because, like, uh, I'm sort of like putting you on the spot in a sense, just from what I from what I read on the on the on the blurb of the book. But it says, "Learn to develop uh, your psychic abilities." So, what is what, what sort of advice do you have for people in that uh, you know in that on that avenue? Sure, it, you're not putting me on the spot at all. I think that that that. that there are many different techniques, and one of the first is going to sound kind of vague, but I really wholeheartedly believe that meditating is really a really powerful gateway to tapping into your psychic abilities. The more you are able to quiet your mind and center yourself, the more you are aware of what is happening internally and the more you are aware to things that are happening. Believe it or not, another thing that I would suggest too, these are two very basic things, by the way, that I'm suggesting, and we could dive deeper. Mm-hmm. Meditating, but also asking. Asking. Um, you know, it, 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 and since you, you're really in the paranormal realm, I, 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 and, um, I know that there are people that say, if you look at the paranormal, the paranormal looks back at you. I kind of think that, that if, you, if you look to the psychic world, you look to the spiritual world, you say, you know what, I want that to be a part of my life in the most beneficial way possible, in a way where I heal myself and help other people, then, then perhaps that's what you'll receive in return. Um, so, so really asking whether you ask a god, a goddess, your ancestors, a spirit guide, or your mom, whatever. Right. <laughs> Announcing it to the universe that you're really in a space where you're re- ready to, you know, develop your psychic self. Um, may put you in a place where you could start developing it. But I also think that, think that too, that people that want to work with their psychic senses, they really need to learn how to quiet themselves, which I also think goes back to what we're saying about being stuck in our homes this year. Maybe this quarantine, we're in a space where we're extremely aware of what we're experiencing, what we're feeling and what we're thinking. Perhaps it's an opportunity to, to dive into those deeper feelings, those deeper emotions, the shadow side, uh, and do some meditating and some praying or, you know, whatever word you want to use in in place of prayer um, to kind of say, you know what, there's something beyond the the limitations of the five senses. Let's, Let's dig into it and figure out how to tap into it. So those are my two basic recommendations. But if you wanted to go deeper than that, there are some divination tools that I think are wonderful for beginners or for people that really want to, you know, kind of go, you know what, I kind of want to learn how to do divination. I kind of want to see what the psychic world is about. Um, pendulums yeah. are really, really fun to work with. Um, so I, do you have a pendulum? I do not have a pendulum, no. Oh, we have to get to a pendulum. Pendulums are these really cool 
So in, in the most simplest senses, a pendulum is a weighted object on the end of a chain. But right, right. I guess you could get a visual of it. Like if you've ever been in like a metaphysical shop and you've seen those, those um, pointed crystals at the end of like a silver chain, that's really what yeah, they look yeah. like. Yeah, and, and basically pendulums, you can, you know, kind of connect with your personal pendulum or, you know, um, utilize it to move in ways that answer yes or no questions. People will use pendulums um, at sacred sites. People will use them in paranormal investigations. They're a means of detecting, <laughs> you know, changes in the force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Is this like dowsing? Um, yeah, like dowsing rods, too. Yeah, I guess that the, the pendulums are considered, or, you know, I always put them in a different category, but I guess they are considered dowsing instruments. Uh, I always think of dowsing, I think of the dowsing rods, like those two yeah, copper yeah. rods that people have and walk around. Now, I love the. I have a pair of copper rods that I've been using for ages. I bring them wherever I go, and it's really fun to watch them. And those are things that anybody could do. You know, I, I, you don't need to feel like you, you know, see the, the spirits of the departed or, you know, hear the numbers of a winning lottery ticket. Anybody can pick up a pendulum or dowsing rods or meditate. And, and these are really wonderful gateways into developing those psychic abilities. And so while we're talking about these different forms of divinations, this reminds me of uh, how we ended up doing the show in the first place, because you had done a reading, and now I'm not, I'm not like going to be like, oh, can you tell me more, or whatever that, but what interested me yeah. was that uh, you did the reading with, uh, I, I, call, I pulled it up here on the Twitter so I can make sure I got it right, um, with ancient <laughs> stones from a Mayan temple. Um, so I guess what, uh, tell me like what you're doing there when you do a reading with those. Like you don't have to do mine. I'm just saying like if you were to do one now, what would... So what, like, each stone kind of means something, and then the positions mean something. So it'll take me through, like, a hypothetical uh, reading of one sure. of these with, with using the stones. Because at least with the tarot, there's, yeah. like, shit you can kind of pull out of the card, you know, and, and has – but maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's that with the rocks. So tell me tell me about this <laughs> practice, what it's called, and, and how you do it. Okay. Will you remind me, too, did I use the crystal kit? Was it all crystals, or did you get all sorts of nifty trinkets in your reading? Uh, like, they're really rounded and polished. I can see that. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a couple kits that I work on um, and just why I'm asking that is I just wanted clarity, but just for the sake of, you know, what the audience is wondering, I have a kit. Yeah. I, I sent phone. you the, uh, I sent you the thing and I'll put a link up to it. Uh, I'll put a link. Up. I, put, I sent oh, it on the Twitter there that, that you can see the, um, what the stones yeah. are. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I, you, I, see them. I always like I. Yeah, I'm not like oh, do my thing. So I'm just more interested yeah. in like because when you when you post the thing, there's all this information there, and I'll link it on Middle America. Uh, and I was I was like, wow, that's really interesting that she can get this from these stones. How does this work? So that you know, we'll, let's find out. Yeah. Well, I love crystals and I love collecting stones. I'm one of those people that when I go places, I look for pretty crystals and stones and when I go to the beach I look for pretty you know shells to take home and so over time I've acquired a multitude of really precious crystals and they've developed into a divination kit 
And so it is basically a collection of crystals, and each crystal has a, a, a special meaning to me. So for you in particular, you did, I, you know, like I said, everywhere I go, I look for pretty stones. When I was uh, in, in, in Caracol in Belize, there was, I mean, like Belize is known for having all these crystals and, you know, and so, so somehow this little Belizean um, crystal from Caracol ended up in my deck uh, or not in my deck, in my kit. And, and so I think that, that each of the, the, the stones takes on an interpretation based on the experience I have with it, where it came from, maybe what the healing properties are that are represented in, in, in the, the crystal. Um, in the book, I talk about it a little bit too. Obviously, you can't get it right now, but um, there are some people that take crystals and they associate it with um, each crystal represents um, – there's a crystal that represents the sun and there's a crystal that represents yeah. – the moon. Um, so basically what happens is in, in this situation with your reading is, is each of those crystals that appeared, they all have a, a personality. They all have this profound meaning to me. And when they mm-hmm. sit together, it's like they have a conversation. And this sounds very, it might sound very artsy the way I'm explaining it, but it's the best way I know how to explain it. It's almost yeah, like you're doing great. each other. They're having they have this interaction and they're saying, Oh, Hey, you know, this is really important. What would be, what would these things say to each other if they sat next to each other? And so I'm looking at the picture that you sent me now. Yeah. So there's like this river stone, this carnelian. Yeah. You have some really, you know, basically I, I just look on a surface level at the traditional interpretation that I have you know, written out for it, but then I also look to see how I psychically feel with all of those stones interacting with each other. So, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, very powerful stones. That's right. And so each person, so you can kind of like, each, what's that? No, I was looking at your reading. It is. It's a beautiful one. Anytime people get that Mayan stone, I'm like, ooh, you're a cool person. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, folks, the magic doesn't lie. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens! What kind of radio show is this? That's a actually that's a good segue because uh, now I'm always it, I, I want to explore this whole realm. So that I start out with the sort of like the question before where it was like, what do you do if someone's gonna die? So are you a witch? <laughs> yeah, I identify as a witch. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, what is by, I guess here's where I, this is why I say I want to explore this, uh, you know, more because it's like the I don't know. <laughs> you might, did you hear about the thing where they were going to like curse the moon or something? <laughs> yes, I did. And they kept on okay, yeah, so they kind of opened my eyes. <laughs> right, right. I'm 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 friends with Dana Newkirk, who's a, also she's a, a special kind of witch. I forget what it was now. Uh, they say it in Hell Year, uh, and I asked. Uh, What's that? Hedge witch. Yes, a hedge witch. So yeah, so that was yeah. that was sort of my first brief foray into the witch thing, and then I saw all that, saw all that stuff last week, and apparently this is way there's a lot more witches than I know that that I realized. So um, you know, explain sort of what uh, you know what it is to be a witch. 
Sure. Well, and, and that is a very, you know, up to a personal opinion kind of thing as well. Right. So that's my precursor. Um, a, a witch is somebody who practices witchcraft. <laughs> Great answer, right? But um, witchcraft is basically a practice. It's not a religion. Um, it, 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 it's a practice of magic, spell work having reverence for the rhythm and cycle of nature, connecting with spirit, connecting with spirituality, um, being mindful that there is something beyond these five senses. So as a witch, I always called myself a bookworm witch, which means that, (laughs) I don't know, it's, 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 it's kind of a cheeky thing. I think more than anything else I would, I, you know, there's all different types of, of, of practices within witchcraft. And so people kind of identify with different things. Um, you'll hear a lot of people call themselves green witches. Um, green witches yeah. are people that really love to, you know, again, their spiritual practice, their magical practice involves the um, things of earth. Uh, the green world, working with herbs, working with oils. Some of them also say crystals belong in there. Um, hedge witches are considered those who really feel like they have one foot in the other world. They have this sort of sense of knowing that there's something beyond here. Um, they might yeah. work deeply with spiritual practices that enhance their psychic abilities. Um, I hope that I did justice to that definition. But basically, a witch is somebody, again, who's really, really fascinated with the idea that we have the ability to transform and shift energy in a means to influence our lives for the better. There you go. That makes that's, – that's a great – yeah, that's uh... – that's kind of what I was – that was the conclusion I came to from hearing your answers. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Well, it's very interesting. So what the hell – so apparently for the folks who don't know what's what – the, with, the, with the moon thing, uh, this is like the weirdest part. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm old, so I don't even – I'm not on TikTok, but apparently – Me neither. Yeah, yeah. So apparently like witchcraft is like really popular on TikTok – and <laughs> the thing I kept seeing, which was so funny, and it must be a term, I think it's probably like a term in the community, um, was everyone was like, these baby witches are, are cursing the moon. And I kept saying baby witches. And it just, <laughs> just sounds so ridiculous. But then when you kind of stop and you think, it's like, oh, it's like a new, it's like a new person witching. Um, yeah, but, like a new. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a new. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> what what do you I guess in a sense it's like what do you make of that um sure you know cuz everybody else uh, or the folks who don't really do this stuff were like what the hell what the hell is going on but even I was like <sighs> well don't 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 hex the moon like I think we right. uh, we've got enough problems dude we don't need the moon blowing up we don't need <laughs> like we don't you know we don't need the moon to stop rotating around the earth for some fucking reason like we just don't let's not mess with the fucking moon right now we have enough problems. I know. So, but what what is that yeah, all about? Exactly. Why why were they even going to hex the moon? 
I, you know what? There's a lot to unpack here, and I also do not have TikTok, <laughs> although I am very interested. I want to know what TikTok is. Not a clue. No clue what it is, and I don't think I actually have time for it. But, it, you know, maybe it's a fun world. So um, apparently there is a group on tic, tic, TikTok. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. TikTok. So yeah, these, it's like little short videos young. where people dance around. That's essentially it. <laughs> or rant, you know, but they're like they're like little yeah. short movies. I, yeah. Okay. Great. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, so um, I guess that that what these these very young, very you know new to the world, which is wanted to do, and and I don't really know the full stir, story as to why they wanted to hex the fae and the moon, but. Apparently, this was the agenda, was that they wanted to hex the moon and hex the fae. And the fae are, would be what, what some people call the fairy, or um, as they would probably prefer to be known, or the good neighbors or the good folk. Um, basically, the, the, the kind of like the otherworldly creatures that yeah. perhaps inhabit a dimension on Earth that we just, you know, don't have connected connectivity with at the moment um well uh, you know and it's funny too because some people just absolutely lost it overhearing people doing this like yeah what yeah. are you doing you baby witch how dare you holy crap we're gonna no wonder i felt like crap this weekend i had this horrible period because of this stupid cursing and it's just like okay i all right, let's time out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I get yeah. It. Like we we really I agree. We shouldn't we shouldn't be first of all, cursing and hexing is something that that, that is probably not in chapter 1 of a beginner book. And for a good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um it's it's not beginner spell work. It's not beginner magic and it's not something to do lightheartedly or without really asking your guides, you know, personally, I, I just don't think that, that the answer is you should hex them. You should curse them. Like there's probably actually a very mundane practical solution to your problem. And that should be your first step. But, right. um, you, you know, we are sh- step one should never be, we should curse them or we should hex them. <laughs> Never. And and cursing the moon, it, it, I think that ultimately the Internet finally calmed down and said, eh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. You know, um, I, I personally, I, I, I don't know. I think that if they truly are very, very young in their, and very new to their practice, I don't know what type of influence they would have on a celestial body. That represents right. that was what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me, it's like, I wasn't too concerned because it's like, well, the moon, like, I'll take the moon in that, in that fight between the moon and a bunch of teenagers on TikTok. It's like, you can't, like, the moon's been around forever. <laughs> so, it's, right. it's probably just shrug this off, like, get the hell out of here with that shit. I'm I'm trying, I'm mooning here, man. I'm trying to moon and, and be... Just be the fucking moon. I'm the moon. Do you know who I, I am? I know. I'm the moon. <laughs> exactly. Makes me think of the Mighty Boosh. You know, the, you know, I don't know if you've watched the Mighty Boosh and, you know, Vince Marr. I've heard good the, things, but I haven't seen it. But, yeah, I've heard good things about it. So good. It's 
my favorite. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, <laughs> but they have a little magic in there too. They do. Nebu, he's a he's a shaman. Um, anyways, but I I really I just don't think that that there are going to be significant consequences where, you know, the moon is going to fall out of the sky or, you know, some sort of Ghostbusters event is going to happen or the flux, is it the flux, I don't remember. Where anyways, where, you know, like the whole city is going to shut down and, you know, all these ghosts are going to come pouring out. That kind of thing is not going to happen as a result of this. I guess basically on a personal level, I, I certainly believe that this is going to be an initiation right for them. Um, for better or for worse, they might learn from it um, and say, you know what, maybe we could do better, learn something different, um, or maybe something will happen where they go, I don't like this, I hate this, and I'm not going to do this anymore. I think that the one thing that I am curious about is where did they get this information? There are so many leaders and spokespeople in the, I'll call it witchy, in the witchy community. And there's yeah. so many resources where you could get information about how to practice this in a way that will bring harmony and, and good into your life. And I don't, I, I think that the reason a lot of people just shook their heads, like, what are you doing? Because I don't think anybody ever fathoms that, that something like this could be done. It's just bananas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it was so wild and weird. It was like, what is, (laughs) it was almost too weird for me. And that's like saying something. I was just like, I don't even know what, I don't even want to get into this TikTok baby witch curse the moon thing. This is weird, man. Um, But, you know, how much stupid shit did all of us do in our teenage years? I mean, like, I, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, we all did stuff. That, you know, I, I think you're, you're like relatively around my age, and I always say like, oh, thank God, thank just thank God I didn't grow up now, like where there's cameras, yeah. <laughs> where there's cameras everywhere, because oh oh, the parties we had in high school, man, oh jeez, you oh don't want God. any of that so, shit, yeah. any of that to be saved or <laughs> or distributed, um, mm-hmm. just wild mm-hmm. stuff. But anyway, <laughs> uh, do they have? But see, you know what's funny, because when I think about the witch stuff, I, I always, like, lump it in with the ghost stuff for some reason. But they're really not that – That kind of, I think maybe there is some crossover there. Is there? I guess that's a question for you. And do they have, like, mm. witch conventions, uh, you know, like how they have oh, UFO yeah. conventions and all these other conventions? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, so, yes, I do believe that there is a crossover, and I wonder if um, if people who kind of walk in the paranormal world and in the magical world are trying to figure out how to identify with both and how they both connect. And I think that the connection is that, um, for me personally, I've noticed that the connection is is that there is a desire to examine or better understand the mysterious, uh, the esoteric, the symbolism. There's a celebration and a worship for the symbol. So I think that that's kind of a crossover point. Yes, there are so many witchy conventions. I'm obsessed with them. I love them and I want to go to all of them. Right now they're not happening. Uh, But there there was, uh, there's one that I've gone to, um, for a few years, uh, this wonderful woman, Tish Owen, in Nashville, runs 
the Pagan Unity Festival, and that's a rather large convention that happens right outside Nashville every year. This year it was virtual. Um, so that's a popular one. There's another one in New Orleans called the Hex Fest. And then, um, let's see. i got to go to one of these and check them out. God, I know. Well, and there's one. There should be one up by you too. Um, oh, I'm sure Salem and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's got to be something in Salem. The one I'm thinking of is with the Temple of Witchcraft, and I don't know the name of the festival, and I apologize because I don't remember the name of it um, because I want to go, and I kind of feel guilty that I don't have it memorized, but. Christopher Penzak is a Penzak is an incredible author who lives in New Hampshire and has a, um, a a temple of witchcraft. He has like a an organization with his 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 witchcraft practice in New Hampshire, and so I think that he runs a festival up there. Um, there, there's, there, there, there used to be this website where you could kind of follow what was happening in every single state. Right, right. But, um, Probably not unlike the other, you know, UFO and Bigfoot communities where this, you know, there's like know. little conventions, con- exactly. big conventions uh, up and down the circuit. And, and I would love to see more crossover. Um, I've always had a really good, like, I've actually worked at horror conventions before, like with, like, horror movie people. <laughs> Oh wow! Like, like I've I've done readings at them, and and I love seeing that crossover because I think that there's a lot to learn from each other. Um, you know, I would love to see some an expert in the paranormal come and give a talk at a pagan festival. I think that there's something there's a lot to be learned um, because we're all interacting with the unseen. We're all having a very profound personal experience um and and it feels magical you know and and so yeah i'm really excited about those crossover opportunities which is why i'm so excited about doing strange realities so excited wow (laughs) that was a good plug for uh the boys at strange realities yeah well while while we're talking i'm gonna get up that info so we can can properly plug it um well it's interesting yeah i think there's a a, a, an while you were answering the question, I was thinking about it more, and your answer was sort of guiding me in a way to what I'm about to say now. It's, uh, I think there's probably some crossover there between the ghost world and the witchcraft world because, in a sense, they're both, especially like in divination, um, you know, it's sort of like right up on that veil of, of like communication with some other side where it's different from the other genres, if you will, like UFOs, Bigfoot, conspiracy, that kind of stuff. Those are different, whole different practices. But the, but with the divination and the ghost hunting, you're both kind of seeking some kind of communication, in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and there are people who will say that any form of divination is, is moved by the hand of spirit. Um, and then there's also people that worship ancestors. There's ancestor worship in the world of witchcraft. Um, where people are honoring those who have died. Um, so really calling upon that that ancestral lineage to be a support in their work. Um, and I think, too, that having those, that, that witches really, really work with that sixth sense because the world and that energetic world in which they work requires them to have that sort of that 
psychic side or that intuitive side. And, and, and that means a definite interest in, you know, what spirits am I encountering? But not just like ghosts, but nature spirits. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes I even think personally, I think that Bigfoot fits in that category sometimes too. You know, he might, he might yeah. have an essence that, 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 you know, I, I think he fits into, I know that there are people that think he's this biological creature. I'm, I'm more of the, to the opinion that I think that it's got, he's got some sort of otherworldly nature to him, you know, so that would, yeah, that kind would of... be important for witches to, to celebrate and honor. He might be a green man figure. Exactly. Well, a lot of people, uh, well, some people think that. Josh Cutchin and uh, Tim Renner wrote a book about that that idea. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, there's something curious about the Bigfoot that, in a sense, it's sort of, you can kind of like, it makes sense when you look at it through that prism. Uh, it's very, uh, I've always thought that if it's not some kind of like interdimensional in a way like that or or it has some kind of, could be like just crossover between the two somehow. It seems very, uh, you know, almost unknowingly or something. It's very weird. I always joke because they find the scat. That's like they always find the Bigfoot scat. It's like he's just coming into our dimension to go to the bathroom. Where his, right. where the bathroom for the for the Bigfoot. So that's why yeah, every time you see him, he's, he's trying different. to get the hell out of here. He's like, oh shit, they just saw me. I got to get out of here and back to my dimension. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like he he still has that ability to to shift and to go beyond the veil. And I think that just humans. I mean, surely I would assume that, that anybody in deep spiritual training is really learning how to step past these five senses, whether that's astral travel, remote viewing, lucid dreaming. You know, to, to, to sort of. And maybe in a way we're all just striving to be witchy Bigfoot. Leave our scat here and go into another dimension. <laughs> now, it, it's interesting in a way, like, uh, it's, the tarot is, in a sense, I guess you could say, like kind of juxtaposed in the clip art of, of uh, the zeitgeist, in a way, with the Ouija board. They're kind of like two icons of, of sort of, uh, you know, you go to a Halloween store, it's like those are the kind of things you're going to see. Um, mm-hmm. and, but, but it's very different. Have you ever dealt with the Ouija board at all? I have, um, and it's very interesting. You'll hear two totally different sides of the coin with the, with the Ouija board. There are people that right. are like, hell no, wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And then there are people who just say, you know what, if you know how to use it, you can use it. I think that the thing is, you know, uh, it's interesting because I always used to say, well, we, you, you can't take Ouija seriously because you could go buy it in Target. But I bet at this point you could even get tarot decks in, in Target also. You know, it's really how you – I always say use the tool that speaks to you. I'm not a fan of the Ouija board because when I used it, I would talk about being – a stupid teenage baby witch, I used the Ouija board then, and I had very uncomfortable consequences. And by that, I mean I had, you know, nightmares. And since I am clairvoyant and, and pretty psychic, I was having, you know, uncomfortable visions. And it just didn't, it didn't click with me. And I have done just an itty-itty bit, but I have done some paranormal investigating. And I do recall having a couple cases where we went to the place because they said, well, 
we had no issues, but then we got a Ouija board and we started having issues. So to me, it feels like Ouija boards, you know, it, it, it opens something up for some people. I, I, I don't know. So I think that if you're going to use it, you really have to know what you're getting into. You know, kind of like, you know, if you're going to try hexing, you really have to know what you're getting into. This is not chapter one of the divination book, and this isn't, you know, chapter one of magical work. Um, whereas I feel a little bit more comfortable with tarot cards. I really feel like anybody can pick up. You could go get a deck. And go and go learn how to read tarot. I guess you could get Ouija tour too. I don't know. Do you? How do you feel about Ouija boards? Uh, I've never even used one, and now I've talked to enough people that like it's such a divisive thing. Like you said, that part of me is just like ah, you know, I. It's already in my head that something bad could happen, so I probably shouldn't do it. Um, you know, it's kind of like it's, – it's like – I want to say like tripping out on mushrooms. It's like if someone like is like all stressed out and say they're going to have a – you know, this could go bad, it's like don't, don't do the mushrooms then because it's already in your head that it's going to – some bad's going to happen. You're going to have a, a bad trip. So that's kind yeah. of uh, – yeah. yeah. I've never yeah. – never uh, – yeah, never partaken in the Ouija board, so – which is kind yeah. of weird in a sense too because uh, – I did actually walk on the world's biggest Ouija board, but I didn't use it in the <laughs> in the classic oh, sense. Man. So that is so yeah, that was cool. up in Salem. Where is the world? Oh, well, they only un- they they unfurled it. It was like all pieces of plywood, but they un they put it all together in Salem, like just one afternoon before Halloween uh, last year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, yeah. I assume it's in <laughs> some dude's garage now. Um, I know, especially like nowadays, he probably had visions of touring it around, but. Uh, so you're a traveler. Well, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what that was the thing. So we wanted to talk about your traveling here because uh, I saw you had some cool pictures from uh, each. Where is it? I'm not going to mess up the name because I don't have it in front of me. Uh, Chichen Itza, right? Chichen Itza. Uh-huh. There you go. That was one yeah, of the and you mentioned. Yeah, I, yeah. You mentioned a couple other places when I mentioned that I wanted to talk about your travel. You said Car- Caracol and Tikal, which. Uh, are, I, I'm sure I would know the countries, but the <laughs> actual locations don't ring a bell for me. But apparently you've been there. So tell me about some of these travels. Sure, yeah. You know, um, that's, that's, always, that's been an interesting, you know, talk about, you know, self-reflection during quarantine. I absolutely love traveling. And um, this was supposed to be an adventure year for us. Um, and I say us because my boyfriend and I. He he's a yep. really good adventurous spirit too, so um, we, we were just like let's just go. Um, so within this year, still we traveled to Mexico and we also traveled to Guatemala and Belize. And really, our goal in visiting this place is we love to snorkel. So obviously, we were there for the snorkeling. But when we were in the jungle, our goal was to visit sacred sites and visit spaces that we were curious about interacting with and having, you know, sort of a spiritual interaction with. Um, And so while we were in Mexico, we had the opportunity to visit Chichen Itza. And when we were in Belize, we visited a lesser known but incredible 
incredible, and I say incredible in bold print, italicized, underlined, incredible site called Caracol. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also visited Tikal in Guatemala. Um, I wish I had more on the list this year, but but I think that there's more in that, too. Why was the – you said – Caracol was like, uh, you know, bold and italicized. What? Tell me why. Yeah. What's so special about Caracol? It felt like a pilgrimage. Um, Caracol is this massive Mayan uh, site, and so it is a site that it was an absolute pilgrimage to go to. To, to give you a little story. We got off the plane, we rented a car, and drove, I think, three to four hours just to get to where we were staying, and then it took us another two hours down a dirt road. We drove 50 miles down a winding dirt road to get to Carl. So just the experience of you know, being in Nashville, Tennessee, BNA, and then all of a sudden being in Belize, and then all of a sudden being in Belize City, and then being in San Ignacio, and then San Ignacio to our little Airbnb, and then, you know, we had to check in with the military because oh, wow. before even going to Caracol. It, it, part of the experience is, is the journey there. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a very stereotypical quote, but it felt really beautiful getting there. We drove through jungle, you know, it it was incredible. And because it's so challenging to get to the site was private. We were the only two people on this massive pyramid, which is the tallest structure, man-made structure in Belize to this day, Elkana, the largest pyramid at Caracol. We sat on it for at least a couple hours by ourselves. I mean, we were meditating. We had tarot cards. We were dowsing. We, I mean, we, we explored every crevice. Everything was open. You could walk around it. You could, you know, touch the stones. And oh, there wow. was no interruptions. And so I think that the thing that was profound for me, that it was visiting a sacred site. It wasn't visiting a tourist site. So while yeah. I loved visiting Chichen Itza, and I highly recommend everybody visit Chichen Itza, there's a different feeling when you go there. I felt like I was intruding. Um, and that could also possibly be because I got pulled over by the Mexican police on my drive there. But Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, that was tough, um, especially because my Spanish is extremely limited. Um, but Chichen Itza, it's very, very crowded. You can't touch anything. It's not, it's not a tactile experience. So when you go to Caracol and, you know, you, you just randomly bump into two Canadian tourists who say, Hey, we just saw a Jaguar. You know, you're like, what? You know, it's, 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 you're so far removed from civilization and from anything that, that, that us as, you know, citizens of the United States would ever experience that it just felt very powerful and one of the things that I do when I visit sacred sites is I try and first say, how do I feel here? What is my feeling? What does my heart feel? And for me, Caracol, I felt at home. 
that was the big thing that both of us, both my boyfriend and myself said. We said, I feel like I'm returning home. Um, and so on Twitter, there's actually a video of me um, seeing Elkana for the first, or, I, you know, in this lifetime, um, seeing yeah, yeah. Elkana for the first time. Um, and it was moving. I mean, there were times where I was just like, I was emotional. Like, I, I, would, I would just get weepy walking around because it just it felt so profound. So Carver wow. is huge. It's not fully excavated. There are even pyramids that are not excavated that you'll, wa- you'll, you'll walk around and you'll be like, wow, that's a big hill. And then you realize yeah. that's not a hill. That's, that's a pyramid that hasn't been excavated. Um, so it's, it's, the other thing that I like about Car Call 2, it's, it's an older Mayan site. Um, the, the location was inhabited all the way back to 1200 BC. And I'm not going to get into kind of like the professor lecture, the Wikipedia answer, (laughs) but I like, I like that, that there's that sort of this, like people have been here for a long time and they kept being here for a long time. There must be a reason for it. So, very long-winded answer. You could see I'm very animated about this site. It's a very, very yeah, powerful no, and profound experience. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds. Uh, I can kind of see where it would be like if you travel. Yeah, the the journey is this arduous journey to reach this this place. So that would explain in a lot of ways why it's like you get almost a private experience because not many people uh, will go through all that trouble. They'll just fly down and stay at a resort near the Chichen Itza or something like that. So very yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. admirable that you go out of your way to went out of your way to do that. Um you know, makes me envious. It's like I I gotta do something like that. That's sounds <laughs> yeah. that sounds crazy. Yeah, you know, and I'll say this too, is 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 in saying that and something that I've reflected on as well because I can't obviously with with all the restrictions that we have right now and I'm actually in the high risk category because I have asthma, so I'm not gonna be traveling anytime soon, which is a shame because I'm supposed to go to Honduras this year also. And so like oh, I'm wow. just no pun, no pun intended. I'm holding my breath. I'm just like, oh, please, God, just make this go away so I could go to Copan. Um, but but um, I think that we can have these profound experiences at places that are sacred right down the road from us. Um, yeah, there yeah, are I was say that, yeah. sacred sites. Yeah, and, and especially in New England, because I grew up in New England, and there is some weird shit going on in New England. I truly believe, I always say, I, growing up in Connecticut, I would say the spirit of place in Connecticut has secrets. It has not revealed to us yet. We just don't have the full picture. And I believe that about Massachusetts, too. Um, Connecticut in particular, there is a, an old site called Gunji Womp. And it is uh, a Native American site that is very not well-known. And it's kind of just, like, bordered off across the street from, like, a suburban development. And you go into the woods, and there's this, like, stone circle and fences. And there are, like, these, I guess these, like, chambers. And the chambers are aligned to the winter solstice. That's in Connecticut. Yeah. Up close to you, you have America's Stonehenge in in Salem, New Hampshire. 
Yeah, so yeah, it's like 10 minutes, uh, 20 minutes for me. I've been there. I go there every, every like, four or five years I try to go there and check it out again, yeah. re, reconnect. It's, it's a very Have you been there? place. And I, yeah, yeah, I did. And I had, a, I had a really, I had a very interesting experience there, too. It smelled to me like somebody was burning incense around me, but obviously, like, nobody was burning incense around me. Like, somebody was burning, like, dried herbs. Um, so it was it was really unusual, like not like the smell of cloves or cigarettes either. It smelled to me Weird. like what I would burn if I was doing my magi- magical ritual. Um, so I love it there. Um, I love New England. Oh, just so lovely. Very. But but yeah. Yeah yeah well. Yeah, you you make a good point that uh, well, there's a lot of mound- when I was down in Georgia, I visited a mound. There's probably a lot of mounds. Um, in Tennessee too, right? I think, but uh, not yeah, not so much yeah. up here. I don't know of any, but we have more of the chambers, I guess it seems. Um, yeah, but there's exactly. I I I will. I want to talk about that. Uh, where is it? I have the website here that you that you uh, you're. I think they called you an ambassador to uh, Liminal Earth. Ooh, Liminal um, Earth, yeah. <laughs> but I and this they're completely different sites. So I don't think I'm being. Um, you know, uh, out of out of line. But I use uh, the Atlas Obscura and just find random weird shit around me all the time. Like that's I, I, for folks who are kind of stuck in their own state right now. Like get on that thing and and uh, you know you'll find all kinds of weird museums or creepy uh, mm-hmm. historic sites. Uh, today I went to the um, the Lizzie Borden house for the first time ever. Um, so that was cool. It's only like an hour away from me, but. When would I have cool? the time to do that? What's that? I feel like I'd get the heebie-jeebies in there. <laughs> did, did you enjoy it? Was it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. They had a whole I tour. If you like true crime, it was it was almost like true crimey than more true crimey than like ghosts. They sort of laid out the case, uh, what happened mm. and how how it all went down and why why they think that she did it and why maybe she didn't and maybe these other people were involved and it was uh it was kind of like a do you, have you ever seen <laughs> uh, uh, she's not listening so have you ever seen Shit's Creek Oh god yeah The show <laughs> Okay yes, well the lady yes. the, the lady who gave the tour was like Moira Rose it was so oh, I don't know if it's like an accent oh. but it was that thing where they like built she was like I can't really even do it, but she was like, yeah, and then the thing is, so many way it works! It would, like, build up to that, and it was like, oh, my God, this is a thing you're doing, huh? This is this is your this is your thing, right, I guess? So it was very weird, but, yeah, I just kept getting these Moira Rose vibes from the lady. I was like, all right, you're so theatrical. But, uh, but yeah, circle all that back off that, off that rant. Um, <laughs> Go on Atlas Obscura. Find uh, weird weird stuff around you because uh, I'm sure there are weird stuff. And and your affiliate, I don't have what they called you, the ambassador. I think again, uh, I don't have it right for me. Yeah. But you're an ambassador. I'm dubbing you an ambassador uh, to yes, to Liminal right. Earth. That's what they there you go. Okay. So if you if folks go, you know, if so if you go do something or or if you're just out walking and something weird happens, these folks at Liminal Earth want to know. And they're creating sort of a yeah. a Google Maps of people's weird experiences. Um but we're going to we're going to have Kiki sort of talk a little bit more about it, but that w- w- this is a very exciting and fun project. So uh what what is Liminal Earth? 
it is. Yeah, I agree with you. It is a really, really fun project, and I, I really encourage folks who are listening to check it out, liminal.earth. Um, so you were talking about Atlas Obscura. When I right. think of Atlas Obscura, I think of it as like the lonely planet, the travel guide for, right. for people that want to do weird stuff. Liminal right, exactly. Earth is where you go after you've gone to those weird sites and you've had a weird experience and you need to tell somebody about it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And, it's exactly and, like what I was yeah. thinking, yep. Yeah, so what Liminal Earth is doing is it is encouraging people to submit stories about strange experiences they've had. And that's not limited to anything in particular. It doesn't matter if you feel like you had a fairy encounter, which I actually have a, a, a place on the liminal earth map about a fairy encounter or Bigfoot or in Tennessee, somebody submitted something about finding a random head of lettuce <laughs> or a weird, oh, weird. dream. Uh, people have weird deer encounters, hear strange sounds, uh, have ghost stories, um, what I really love about this project is it's asking people to pinpoint on a map, where did this happen? We want yeah. to see if there's any themes. Um, and so Liminal Earth, I think originally, so, so the creators are Garrett Kelly and Jeremy Puma. I think originally it was just a Seattle project for them. They're, they're right. in the Pacific Northwest. And I guess that so many people were like, dude, I, I'm, I'm having the same thing happen here. Come on, open it up. And so they've, they've opened up the, the map to the international. And so what ambassadors are doing is, is they kind of represent and, um, and cheer on a specific region depending on where they live. So obviously right now I'm in Tennessee, so I'm called the head chronicler of Tennessee. Um, and, wow. and I really love it. I'd really just a huge big fat favor from anybody listening. If they have had a paranormal experience or a weird experience or a weird dream or encounter in Tennessee, please submit it to the map because Tennessee needs more. We've got some good stuff going and I actually have a couple things that I'm going to pursue in Tennessee to also, you know, kind of add to the map. Nice. Yeah. So liminal yeah. dot so, earth so lim- is the mm-hmm. is the website, and you can get lost uh, for days just kind of exploring these stories. Uh, it's really it's really tremendous. Oh, cool. uh, kudos to those guys. I got I got to see about maybe getting them on but All America and talk about uh, what they're doing because it's it's pretty awesome. Now, what is this? You said you had a fairy encounter. I have to ask you about that. Then what what what's the story with yeah. this fairy encounter? You know, I always feel like I have one foot on the other side. Um, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was always that, that, that person with the imaginary friend. I was always the person. So when I was even a little girl, I had very, very vivid dreams. I was the, the, the person that told my mom, do you remember when we lived at the farm together? You know, obviously we didn't live in a farm. We lived in Connecticut and, you know, in a suburb outside of Hartford. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I always kind of had this, this, this curious interest um, had back in the nineties. Here we go again. <laughs> so, so kind of around the time I was exploring tarot, 
Um, you know, this was the time I was starting to pick up on witchcraft. They really go hand in hand. And I even remember in ninth grade, we had this project called the I Project, where we had to do a book report on something that we were interested in. And I did a book report on The Power of the Witch by Lori Cabot. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? <laughs> so, anyways, I was really reading a lot about witches and witchcraft and magic and um, fairies and the world of the fae came into that and learning and and what I had learned at that young age was that um, you leave offerings to the fairies and in return they give to you, uh, you know, good fortune and they look upon you kindly. Um, and, and I guess that this is kind of an elementary way of, of discussing fairies because people write books on them, and, and, and it's a very complex topic, and fairies are not all Tinkerbell, you know, and, and light and airy and sweet. But but one way to appease them and, and, and to be on their good side is to leave them offerings of honey and cream and, and sugar and bread, and, and sometimes people say leave them booze and, you know, and and so I remember one summer, it was, you know, the summer solstice or Beltane, and apparently that's when the fairy are the most active is, is when, you know, nature is thriving, so are they. And so I left them an offering outside. Uh, and, and, and I remember, I don't know if it was that evening that I left the offering or just very shortly afterwards, I woke up, and, and, and I must have been about 13, 14, 15. Window was open because it was a beautiful summer night. I woke up to something tickling my feet. It was like little itty-bitty fingers tickling the soles of my feet. Oh. And like itty-bitty, like little baby fingers. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And I wasn't weirded out and I wasn't scared, but I think that being half awake and having it stir me out of sleep, I kind of like grumbled, like, oh, stop, don't tickle, you know, like whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To- Harumph and and rolled over, and at that point I heard this little itty bitty squeaky laughter in the room. Oh with God! Me. Like this little hee hee hee, like they were laughing at me because I reacted. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And at that point, obviously, like my eyes were wide open, and I was like, "What the heck? <laughs> like, what just happened?" Wow. Um. And, yeah, and so that was, and, and that's a very, that's one that I always share, and I, and I feel that I've had other encounters as well, but I kind of keep those private, you know, just more like personal experiences. And, yeah, And yeah, some people absolutely. even say, too, that, that, that when you have sort of fairy encounters, it's not something that you, you, you share openly with the world, but that's a story that I've, I've shared forever just to, you know, to let people know that, hey, this stuff does happen, and, 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 it, and it could be interesting, so, so that was my, and that was in Connecticut. And, and I, like I said, I, I really think that, that the Northeast in particular has some really powerful mystical energy to it. Yeah. Well, if once they get the, uh, <laughs> once they get the, uh, the, the world working again, we have it actually pretty good up here. I can't complain um, after yeah, a terrible spring, <laughs> but yeah, well, we had, it was bad. It was bad for a long time, um, but once yeah, once the world gets going again, uh, hopefully they'll send you up to Salem for one of these conferences or, or something like that, and then uh, we can check out some of these strange things around here if you haven't been through Mass at all. Um, Heck yeah, I'd be now, totally game. 
Yeah, it'd be fun. I gotta go to one of these witch conventions and uh and see see what that's all about too. It sounds really interesting. Um Is it mostly like people doing well, I guess that's no, that's more divination. Because they have at Salem, I'm thinking of Salem now, uh it's like they have um they they have they just have like a tarot or a divination convention where it's like uh, just tables and tables and tables of of people doing their thing, and and I guess you can go in and you just pick the one you want and sit. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know what it, it's just very weird. It's a very interesting sort of uh, setup. Have you seen anything like that before? Oh yeah, oh yeah, sure. Um, y- you know, um, there are different variations. Like a lot of people would call it like a metaphysical fair would be a fair or a convention where you go in and you could buy crystals and get sound healing and somebody's going to do Reiki on you. And maybe you'll learn about how you can ascend or meditate and chant the word hue, you know, so kind of more new age woo woo stuff like the Gaia network. That's what it makes me think of would be a metaphysical fair. And if you're going to more of a pagan festival or a witchy or witchcraft or magic convention. I think that that would, you know, maybe have some similar elements where they do have vendors that are offering divination readings, but you might also find people there who are creating potions or, you know, homemade herbal wands or incense um, or reading bones or tarot. Um, But I think that the focus at, you know, for example, like a Pagan Unity Festival, you're going to have authors who have written specifically on witchcraft, and they're going to talk about how to harness your magical abilities and your mm. witchiness and and kind yeah, of like maybe history. Yeah, like Exactly. You know, how not to hex the moon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, it, right? uh, so, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, local places, and you would know, I wish we knew you uh, last October, because we, we, this is a perfect segue to Strange Realities. Um, I was, so I was down there in Nashville for Strange Realities on the ground, uh, number one, not, not, not the upcoming online one, um, and there was sort of a debate in the group, um, and actually I took, like, a straw, not, not, you know, a, a, a smoker's poll, so when I had a cigarette, I would talk to the people who were from around there and be like, is this Spell Witch Cave worth checking out, or is it something that you have yeah. to, you know, is this like when you're down there, is this like a must-see, or is it really uh, much ado about nothing? So what, what's the huh. what's your take on this Bell Witch Cave? A uh, heated question, because my answer is probably not fully rounded. I've never been there. I've never been. Oh, wow. I've never been to Bell Witch. Wow. And it's because I've found magic in spirit of place and other locations. If, if, if you were to ask me for, if, if you wanted to go to paranormal spot, hot spots or um, powerfully mystical or profound sacred spaces, I don't think Bell Witch would be at the top. It's almost right. Right. That's like the Lizzie Borden house. It's kind of, isn't it like more associated with like some gruesome murdery, sort of, uh, you know, local legendy, uh, you know, true crimey thing almost? I think so. I'm kind of making a face like a womp womp. I don't know. All right. Well, I didn't. Okay. It's it's so funny. It's 
like, I feel I, it's kind of funny that, like, that's, like, one of the biggest legends of Tennessee. And for some reason, I, I kind of, I, I'm not going to say, like, I've been fully dismissive of it, but in a sense, I've been dismissive of it because it feels like this legend where, again, it was maybe a woman in this community who was just, you know, the outsider, Right. I don't know. I don't know yeah, if there yeah. was a murder or not. So if there was a murder involved, then obviously it wasn't just an outsider. She also was a sociopath. But you know, I, I always, I don't know. I don't know. Especially because the South is so different here. You know, like when I'm in when yeah. I'm up in the Northeast, I feel like I'm like, oh yeah, I read tarot and I write about witchcraft, and people are like, oh, that's interesting. And yeah. down here, I tell people, you know, oh, I, I, I work in the spiritual world. I do a lot of self-help. You oh, know, so you it, frame it, it a different it, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I always feel, so, so when people here talk about witches, I, I, you know, I think that's changing, especially in Nashville. Um, I think that, that there's such a bright and brilliant and inspiring community of magical and which and magical people and, and people who are practicing witchcraft and paganism in Tennessee that I think that, that that's sort of changing. But being in the South and being as conservative as it is, it comes with, yeah. you know, a different definition. So Bell Witch, I'm like, oh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> It's, yeah, well, this, now I'm convinced we have <laughs> maybe we'll have to get Adam Sane to weigh in. If they do another one on the ground, I'm going to insist that he takes me to <laughs> the, the place because I'm like, now I really want to. No. Uh, I wonder about it. Yeah, uh, very strange. So places I would, I would say to you, say to recommend to you in Tennessee for visiting as well. Um, yeah, we have the Parthenon here, which is the replica yes. of the. The, the Greek Parthenon, and it has this huge statue of Athena, and it's very, very beautiful. And I think that's an incredible place to visit. And I think it's really interesting that it's in Tennessee. Um, and then we have our state capitol is sitting on top of this giant hill, and it overlooks this uh, very strange park called the Bicentennial Mall, um, that has what I call a modern day stone circle. It's like all of these columns set up. And if you stand in the middle of them and talk or, or sing, you could hear echoes and it's a, oh, wow. Tennessee Nash, Nashville is a very, very strange place. It's, it's got a lot going on for it. Um, it's very, very weird. And then, you know, they say the downtown area is haunted too. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Ghost, yeah. Ghost, Every one of those honky tonks has probably a resident ghost. That <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's old one, Slim. One last <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He died right there on stage. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, and so they say oh, some goodness. nights he comes out and dances uh, in the crowd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, well, hopefully, oh, uh, the the uh, the conspiracy normal goes off next year in Nashville because I want to come back down there and check it out. But the this year, the Strange Realities Conference is online. So the folks who wouldn't have been able to make it to Nashville anyway, uh, which is all of us really at this point, um, we can all partake in this. I'm going to be uh, a speaker at the uh, Strange Realities Con 2020, uh, and you are as well. So what are you going to be talking about um, during the big weekend? Oh, my – presentation is called 
prophecies and predictions that occur in our lifetime. So I am going to go down a rabbit hole and start looking at cycles and eras and predictions and prophecies and kind of seeing what is what what's up with the next, you know, 50 years. What's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> You know, according to, to prophecies, according to the end of, you know, for example, like the end of the, the long count calendar and, you know, to the Mayans. What does this mean? Um, so, so I'm kind of, I, I just want to, I want to, it's almost like I want to get like a big chalkboard and just like start mapping out different stuff and then, and then reporting to everybody, okay, this is what I found. <laughs> so I'm really Sounds looking interesting. forward to that. I think it. Yeah, I think it ties in well with what I do with divination and kind of, you know, looking to the future and seeing what's happening. Um, what, are, what about you? What are you going to talk about? I'll be talking a uh, completely different realm in a sense. Uh, well, last year I presented on the history of the Flat Earth, uh, Flat Earth Theory, like where did this theory come from, um, and sort of this long and winding road from the 1800s. Uh, and I announced last year that I was going – to the International Flat Earth Conference the following month, um, and I did. So I'm sort of going to have a, a presentation report about uh, being on the ground with the Flat Earthers. Who are these people and, and uh, how they get all mixed up in this and sort of dispel some, you know, uh, misconceptions about the Flat Earthers, confirm some uh, beliefs about the Flat Earthers, uh, and sort of just give a – insight into what it was like hanging out with them. That's why I was asking you about these, uh, you know, these witch conventions, because uh, it's sort of obviously nowhere in the, <laughs> in the same realm as, uh, as Flat Earth, but I, 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 I like the gatherings of people, so I'd like to check one of those out as well. But, yeah, that'll be what I'm talking about at the Strange Realities Conference, uh, and that's September 25th, 26th, and 27th. Uh, and the website is strangerealitiesconference.com. So, yeah, that'll be – it'll be fun. It'll be uh, interesting to see all the different presentations and what people are going to be talking about. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to hearing everything. And with that, we're at the, uh, we're at the end of the show. So what, what do you have uh, – this is the plugs now. We just plugged the Strange Reality Conference. Yeah. Um, you got the two books, Eight Extraordinary Days and also – where to go on me now? Oh, come on. A Curious Future. Little, a Curious Future. I just saw it. Yeah, a Curious Future. Um, <laughs> as you can see, I don't, I don't keep the notes like <laughs> I put the notes together and then I just tear them up. I don't know what I'm doing. So, uh, cool. so you say those are going to be re-released uh, and, and I guess expanded, right? Yeah, next year. Um, I would I would expect that, that a curious future will be back out uh, available earlier in the year, and then the eight extraordinary days will will come after that. Um, but you know, I think that the best way too for people just if, if they are really like interested in something, you know, people are free to to contact me. Um, you go to my website, kikidombrowski.com. I also have a mm -hmm. blog on there, so that's a great place to see, you know, what it is that I write about and what, what's important to me at any given moment. Um, and, yeah, like you said, Twitter. I'm really active on Twitter. I've really, I've, I'm so absolutely thankful and grateful for all of the incredible people that I've, I've become acquainted with 
um, through Twitter because just everybody is so freaking cool and smart. <laughs> and so if, if, if people are really interested in seeing what I'm studying, what I'm writing about, what's important to me, I'm always popping stuff up on Twitter, sharing articles, exchanging information. Um, Kiki D333 is my handle. Is, is that what they call it, a handle on Twitter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. It's cool on there. People, uh, people, I think have. I, I, I like pretty much abandoned Facebook, except to sort of keep track of people's birthdays and uh, put photos up as a place to store photos. Um, <laughs> but I think, and unfortunately, too many people I know and like are just they won't come on to Twitter. They, they, I guess maybe they because Facebook's so bad. They're like, I can't have two bad things. It's like just leave Facebook and come to Twitter. You can cultivate a good feed of people you like and want to and, and want to read their stuff from and you're not inundated with all the other junk and if, if it's just much easier to navigate it's just way way easier to navigate it's like with facebook you click on one person's thing so half the time it's like i hate this person i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna click on this and tell them i hate them but then it's like well i shouldn't do that so and then now because you clicked it it's just showing up all the time <laughs> I know. I'm it's not, wild. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not my preferred my, my preferred location. But I do have something on Facebook, but I find, too, that, you know, Facebook has algorithms, too, where people don't necessarily connect with you unless they're really clicking on you every single day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if yeah. you have a shitload of friends, so, so you I, fall out. Yeah, it's ridiculous. With Twitter, it's, it seems above the board. It seems like... Like it just goes in a in a stream of what people post, you see. That's that's all yeah. I'm asking for. I, <laughs> but it, Facebook it, it, seems to want to yeah. tell me what I should see. It's crazy. All yeah, right. Well, so. KikiDombrowski.com is the website. Uh, KikiD333 and is the uh, Twitter handle. And and we'll uh, we'll be seeing you at the Strange Realities Conference, StrangeRealitiesConference.com, and people should keep it uh, a lookout for the two books coming out sometime uh, next year. Right. Did I get all that right? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. and thank you. This was so much fun talking to you. This was a treat. Yeah, this was great. This was fun. We've never, I don't yeah. think we've ever done a show this in-depth on, on these topics, which is great because we've been around forever. So uh, when I can do a show, like I said at the start, like I, if I can do a show on something I've never explored before, I have all these questions, and I hope they weren't, some of them were, you know, I'm sure, like very basic questions, but at the same time it's uh, – you know, sometimes it's fun to sort of explore that and revisit that because if you go on, if you do other shows, this is like what happens with me. If I do other shows, it's like uh, you're you're already sort of, sort of jumping in in media rest. Like people are already familiar with whatever this UFO story you're talking about is, so you don't need to revisit it. So I enjoy uh, these kind of conversations, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you very much, Kiki, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It was such a it's such a wonderful time. This is really wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. I'd say go Red Sox here, but I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't have much faith in them this year. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll talk to you later, Kiki. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you so much. My hey, it was awesome. It was awesome. Thank you. All right. <laughs> There we go. All right, folks. Uh, that was Kiki Dombrowski. Uh, KikiDombrowski.com is the website. K-I-K-I 
D-O-M-B-R-O-W-S-K-I.com. Check it out. Uh, and as I said, uh, as we were talking about, we'll be both uh, on the Strange Realities Conference. It's a weekend thing. Um, you can enjoy it from the comfort of your own home. I don't think I explained it very well uh, earlier. Um, it's an online thing. <coughs> Excuse me. You can get tickets at strangerealitiesconference.com, and then you log in wherever they send you to log in. And I don't know when I'll be on, but I'll be talking about the Flat Earth stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah. So next week on the show, we've got really got them lined up right now. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm really uh, – it's very unstressful because I've been booking way ahead. We'll see <laughs> – We'll see how long that lasts. I'm coming to the end of my rope soon. Um, but next week on the show, we're going to be talking to a really interesting cat that I met in Portland. Uh, he spoke at Lauren Coleman's cryptozoology conference uh, last April. His name is uh, Dr. Edward Guimont, uh, and I think I'm doing that right. It's uh, G-U-I-M-O-N-T, and uh, we'll, we'll figure it we'll, – we'll, that's, that's the first thing we're going to explore on the next Banal of America – how to pronounce Edward's last name. Uh, but it's Edward, uh, Dr. Edward Guimont. He was getting his doctorate when I met him uh, last year. Right now he's an adjunct at UConn. Um, he focuses on the British Empire, nationalism, Great Zimbabwe, mythic history, cryptids, and Lovecraft. So a lot of, again, interesting topics we really haven't explored uh, very much on but all of America. And one topic uh, that he and I have a... It's very ironic, because I was just talking about this uh, with Kiki, but uh, Edward and I have a shared interest, scholarly interest, in the, in the flat earth theory. And he's done a lot of research into uh, the flat earth theory down in Latin America and in the Middle East, uh, in places that people probably aren't even aware I mean, it's popular, but it's popular in other places. Uh, you, may, you may not be aware. It's, it's incredibly popular in Brazil. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, ironically enough, the, <laughs> the global flat earth movement, uh, beyond the stuff you hear about uh, in the English-speaking countries like America and Europe and uh, Australia. So that will be interesting. I'm sure that will just be part of the conversation. He also uh, he presented at Lauren's conference about the – trying to remember it exactly, but essentially like uh, the Mokele Mememebe mythos um, and how that, how that kind of came to Europe by way of the explorers um, in, in Africa. So, and I, I really didn't do it justice at all, but that's, uh, that's kind of like the gist of it. And he ties it in with all kinds of uh, other stuff like reptilians and things like that. It's really, really fascinating. I'm gonna, I've, I've dug out the paper that he wrote for it, so I'll be reading that uh, going into it, so, so clearly I'll know more than I do tonight, but that's the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about, Dr. Edward Guimont, that's next week on Banal of America, uh, what is that, July 31st at 9 p.m. Eastern, and uh, on that note, we'll call it a day, we'll call it a night, hope everybody else uh, out there has a great weekend, uh, thanks to Zach Copley, Jim Vujovic, and Stuart. Uh, for joining us in the chat. Thanks to all the folks who tuned in live, uh, and thanks to all the folks uh, listening right now, I guess, on the uh, MP3. And, uh, yeah, with all that said, this is Tim Benal, thanking you for listening again, and signing off.